Well, for the rest of us, it is my genuine pleasure to introduce our missionaries. Um, the, the husband, Nathaniel, I've known him since he was eight years old. You know, it's the big reason why we are very passionate about our children and youth ministry is because it's the opportunity for our church to be a church, for one generation to pour into another. When I was thinking about Nathaniel coming, I was thinking about times when, um, Trying to think, probably even when I was a teenager helping with children's ministry that I was able to minister to him. And then when I was a college student, I helped with the youth group and I did drama. I did fine arts preparation. I, I, I think I was your like assistant coach for a teen Bible quiz. And I'm like, I don't know if that's everything because, you know, it was wonderful about the church I grew up in and I didn't realize how special it was in that one generation poured into another. And it wasn't just like the youth do their thing, the children do their thing. And you know something? Then I come to a church like this, and it's the same way, where one generation pours into another, because that's how God created the church. And I'm so grateful to see the fruit of the seeds that God had planted all the way back when he was eight years old, seeing what God has done in and through his family. I was excited. I think um, when our first um, call as youth pastors we were at camp, and I saw Nathaniel, and then found out he was engaged to Janae, and it was like, this is awesome. We went to their uh, wedding, because it just so happened that we were able to. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, call call them up to the stage here, and let them introduce themselves. I won't steal any of their thunder where they're going. I think it's Tahiti, so make sure you don't grab any jewels there, or it might turn into a lava monster. Thank you, Pastor Jason and Becca. Man, what a what an honor it is to be here with you guys here in Algona. Um, we're from uh, Rapid City, and so we drove over yesterday, and just a beautiful, beautiful part of the country, and we're just thankful to be here. Uh, Pastor Jason was the one who actually taught me how to preach back in the day, and he uh, we were doing fine arts, and he he showed me how to outline a sermon and how to how to communicate the gospel. In fact, he did really well, as I recall, in the short sermon category. I think he won it one year. So it was very, very powerful testimony that he has. And so it, it, I'm thankful for, for people like him and other youth leaders that have developed and shaped me from small places. God can do big things. And so I, I, I appreciate that from him. I'm, I do want to introduce uh, my wife, uh, Janae, and, and our family. I've got a, a picture on the screen here. A couple of them were sitting with us already, but Azariah, Eliana, and Isabella, six, five, and one. And they are not missionaries' kids, but they are missionary kids. They're in this with us together, and uh, we're excited to do this as a family. Um, we, re- we met at and graduated from Trinity Bible College, and uh, we've been married now for over 11 years. So. Yeah, so for the last, um, it's a little bit of recap for those of you that are Sunday school with us this morning, but for those of you who weren't, um, we've been youth pastors for the last 10 years, and I cannot even begin to tell you how much this morning blessed my heart to hear, to see your youth leading worship and then to hear about the things God did in their life. And just to reiterate everything that's already been said, when you invest in your kids and your youth and they're giving to missions, um, the impact that that is going to make is just incredible, and that's not what today's about, so I could preach about that all morning, but I'll talk about them so too. But thank you for believing in your students and your youth and for giving giving to missions because um, it makes a huge impact. So that's what we were doing in Rapid City. We were youth pastors 10 years, you know, teaching our kids to love God, teaching them to give to speed the light, teaching them um, all about missions um, up until uh, August of 2021 when God kind of turned it all upside down. And we're just going to briefly share that with you this morning. Yeah, every August, uh, we take our, our students, our youth group, to National Fine Arts, and this year was no different. We were in Orlando 
2021. In fact, I think Pastor Jason and Becker were there as well. I, I saw them at the Trinity alumni gathering, and that same day, we're going to be telling you a little bit about our calling here. Um, every August, we take our youth group there, and uh, every year, there's a mission service, and that mission service was on that Wednesday night, and um, and we had responded every year and said, God, you have our yes. We'll go anywhere you want us to go. And, and this year was no different. We responded. We encouraged our kids to respond. God, give God everything. Give God your life. And, uh, we also came down to the altar, resp- or every, every other year responding this year. Um, 2021, a missionary spoke by the name of Brian Webb, and he began talking about, um, giving a call to go on for this altar call this year as well. And so Jenny going to share a little bit about that. So like Nathaniel said, every year we would go forward and we would say, God, you have our yes. And this year, um, it was all about how hard missions is where he's at. And we always thought we'd go somewhere in Latin America that spoke Spanish that was safe and familiar and comfortable. And so we stayed glued to our seat. I stayed glued to my seat and we didn't respond. Um, I was really counting the cost in that moment and didn't know that this is something that I wanted to sign up for. But at the start of that service, unbeknownst to, to Janae, our sister-in-law had texted us um, that uh, actually this last that last week that uh, she had she had been in prayer with her pastor and and her pastor had leaned over to her and said, "Hey, are Nathaniel and Janae are they called to missions?" Like a prophetic word at that moment, and he said, "Yeah." He said, "Wow, I just I feel that so strongly, like it's going to happen soon." And uh, so we, she texts us this conversation right at the start of this mission service while we're in Orlando, and uh, and I, I I listened to to Brian Webb, the missionary that was speaking. He said, "There's five of you that are that are youth pastors, and you're call, you're going to be going to Pacific Oceania. You've already been called to missions, and I'm going to, and you're supposed to go to Pacific Oceania." And so I, I get that text message, and I hear him say that, and I'm like, "God, what are you doing?" Yep, and so we wrestled with God for a little bit, but eventually it was just so clear that this is what God was calling us to. And so one of the coolest confirmations came when we told our staff from our church um, what God had put on our life. And in that moment, we found out that um, not only was God calling us, but he had also, in a completely different way, months before he called us, called our worship pastors from our church to be missionaries to the exact, not we didn't know if it would be the same country, but the same area of the world, to Pacific Oceania under Brian Webb. And so we found that out, and it was just this beautiful confirmation of what God was speaking to us and doing in our life. Yeah, we, we really didn't plan this. We didn't, uh, we hadn't been talking with him. We weren't even in the same services as our worship pastors, but God had planned it. And in his infinite wisdom, he was calling both our families at exactly the same time to exactly the same part of the world. Um, we didn't want to get our hopes up. We knew they had three kids. We have three kids. It wouldn't be awesome if we could go together. We didn't know if that would be possible, but, uh, we, once we went to, uh, Springfield, we, 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 we met with the missions board, and in our final interviews with them, they were saying, it seems good to us in the Holy Spirit that this is not a coincidence. You guys coming from the same church, we're actually going to send you to the same country in the same part of the world. So it's it just it's incredible confirmation for us. Yeah, so that was back in March of this year um, that we found out we would be headed to French Polynesia with Pastor Ben and Carly. Um, and part of, in August when God called us up until March, when we didn't know we were going, part of what God did in my life was he just broke my heart for people that have never heard about Jesus. Um, people that are completely unreached, have no way if they would even want to, to choose God. You know, we're so privileged and we have that choice. And 
and we can go to a number of churches and read our Bibles in any different version. And they don't even get the option to hear the name of Jesus. And God just really broke my heart for them. And so in March, when we were assigned to go to French Polynesia, as I began to research it, um, of course, I was thrilled we were going with Pastor Ben and Carly. But I was a little bit confused because French Polynesia is there's been missionaries there. There's been churches there before. Um, and so it's been over the course of the last six months that God has just began to speak to us and to show us visions and dreams of the ministry that we're going to be doing there and the Bible school that we're going to get to start and the youth that we'll get to reach. And Nathaniel's going to tell you just a little bit about that here briefly. Yeah, before we'd ever heard of this area, Brian Reb, uh, he wrote an article in the Worldview magazine, which we've got a bunch of copies out on the table. If you'd like to take one, uh, we, we encourage you to do so. Uh, but it's all about Francophone Pacific, the French-speaking countries in the Pacific Ocean. And a um, couple of the things that God is doing right now over there is that over the last uh, number of years, there's only been 15, uh, 15 years, there's only been, there hasn't been any missionaries, AG missionaries there over 15 years ago. So, and there's eight AG churches, seven of which have closed in the last four years. So there, there were 15, sorry, uh, four years ago. Now there's eight. And so there's been major decline. We want to start seeing the church grow. And not only do we want to see that, but the churches have come together and the pastors that remain there have said, you know what, we need to turn things around. And um, with God's help and with the Assemblies of God World Missions, we're going we're gonna to see that happen. So they purchased land. Uh, and they, they said, would you send us a missionary? We want to start a Bible school to start training up new pastors, to start planting churches in the places that they've never been. That's, in fact, that's our mission, is to plant churches where it's not. And there, there's a lot of places where it's not. The, the, the country itself is less than 5% evangelical, even less than that Pentecostal. And so we, we, we have a big task ahead of us uh, in that regard. Uh, Brian, the president of the country also met with Brian Webb and asked him what the Assemblies of God could do to help their youth. They're steeped in drug and alcohol addiction, truancy, and suicide. If you could advance that for me, I, I think I've lost control, Andrew or whoever's back there. There yeah, you go. My mic works now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I think, there we go. Yep. So these, this is a this is a missionary family that will be going with us as well. Um, this is a part of the world called Pacific Oceania. There's 23 nations and um, there's over 30,000 islands. Many, many people, I think over 40 million people, over 1,100 uh, unreached people groups, 26 uh, we refer to as never reached, have never had a missionary gospel witness. Nobody's ever gone there with the name of Jesus. And um, there's three countries, like I said, that speak French. Um, we're going to be going to France for a year to, to learn language. So they, they think it's efficient and right for us to eventually have some ministry in all three countries. But we'll start in French Polynesia first, which it's very hard to see. But it's way over on, on the far right side. If you look at Hawaii on a map, it's below Hawaii, about 2,600 miles, dead center of the Pacific Ocean between Australia and North America. So that, that's where we'll be, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So instead of tornadoes, we might get typhoons and all sorts of hurricanes and that, those types of things. But um, yeah, being from North Dakota, it's going to be a lot different than <laughs> where I've been. So, um, yeah, so there, there's great opportunity. They, they speak French. So again, we'll learn French, but we'll also learn the languages that they speak there as well. So, yeah, so we really believe the reason God 
Okay, there we go. We really believe the reason that God um, called us right now is because currently 40% of their population is under the age of 25. Nathaniel refers to it just as a giant youth group, and we really believe that if we can get there um, and reach this next generation, we can reach them and disciple them and equip them to go out and reach all of the nations in this area. And so we're super excited um, just about what God's calling us to, but we need to get there. And so this morning we want to talk to you guys just really briefly about three ways that you can help us. Um, The first way is just praying for us, praying not just for us, but for unreached people people groups for all of the missionaries that you support. When they say your missionaries need your prayers, it's so true. So please pray for us. Come and grab one of our prayer cards from our table. Um, we have a website. There should be a QR code if we, yep, he'll get there. Um, if you point your phone at that, it'll take you to our website. You can sign up for our newsletter there. You can follow our Facebook page there. You can kind of get involved with us there, but come with us. Um, you know, we update it. We want you guys to see what missions is like. We believe missions is a partnership. It's not just the missionaries that go, but it's all of the churches who send them. And so we just want to invite you guys to partner with us that in that way and come alongside of us. Um, so that's one way you can get involved. Secondly, of course, you can give. It sounds like you guys are an incredibly faithful missions giving church. So thank you for that. Um, that helps missionaries just like us all around the world. Um, we're right now at 45% of our monthly partnership. And so we're just looking for churches and for people that will support us monthly. We have people that support us for $10 a month all the way to $200 a month. But as soon as we get to 100%, we can leave and we're anxious to get there. So we'd invite you to join us that way. And then the third way is is um, to, to give God your yes. And so that's kind of, it's on our prayer cards. It's kind of um, our motto, like give God your yes. And that's something that the Great Commission is not just for missionaries and it's not just for Pastor Jason and it's not just for your board members. The Great Commission is for every one of us. And so some of you, maybe God is stirring your heart and maybe you feel like there's a call to missions um, and you have a desire to go somewhere. And if you do, we would love to talk to you and plug you in with somebody um, in the country that you're interested in going. But if not, we really believe like, God has placed you here in in your church, in your town, for such a time as this. And so we just want to challenge you, each of you, give God your yes. Because the Great Commission will never be fulfilled until each and every Christian take that up upon themselves. Not just pastors, not just missionaries, but each of you. Because there's people in your lives that only you can reach. Your pastor can't reach them. Um, there's people at your jobs. There's people in your schools. There's people, um, you know, down the street from you. Your barista at Starbucks. There's people in your life that only you can reach. And so this morning, please pray for us. Please pray about supporting us financially. But most of all, give God your yes and help us to tell the lost about him. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. We're going to shift gears. And um, I've also been given the privilege to to preach this morning. And so I'm glad to be able to do that with you. If you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be looking at uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 3. Um, I've entitled my message today, Aggressive Trust. Have you ever uh, been at a point in your life where you had to, your trust had to be amplified big time? Where you were out of control and God had to really come through for you? Um, there was no way, there was nothing you could do, there was no amount of money, there was no amount of time or effort that you could put into something it only had to be something that you had to trust God for. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about that type of trust, aggressive trust. Trust that has to, there's a part of it that there's a responsibility on us. There's a responsibility on us to trust the Lord, to have faith in God. And then there's a part where God comes through and he does what he does, right? We can't just live our lives and just assume that God is good and he's just going to, do whatever it is that we think he needs to do in our life. 
there is a partnership that we have with the Lord. And, and he says, pray and ask and seek and knock and get on your knees and fall before the Lord and say, and, and ask God for what it is that you want him to do in your life. There's one really big thing. And um, before I read into uh, Daniel chapter 3, this is really kind of the motivation for me as a missionary. Matthew 24, um, verses 12 through 14. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. We're supposed to be about the Great Commission. It's all about reaching souls. Our lives. Whether you're in full-time vocational ministry or you're the best janitor in, in the state. It doesn't matter what your role is. There is a level of trust that needs to happen. And when we amplify that, when we get aggressive about that, God can fill a space and do what only he does best. When we, when we aggressively trust God to believe us, he's, he'll show up in powerful ways. When we give him space to move and not, don't pray weak, wimpy prayers like, oh, God, help that, that person. But give them specific things. God, we pray today that you would release the chains of bondage. We pray that today that the alcoholism would be broken. We pray today that there'll be healing for that cancer. That it'll be gone today. That we won't live another day. But we give God room to move. And he fills that space with our faith and him and his work. God can do many things for his glory. Today we need aggressive trust. The darker the world gets, the brighter the light of Christ needs to be inside of us. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3, um, and, and let me read, start reading here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him in verse 16. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend, you, uh, d- defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I pray that your voice would speak the loudest. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, that you would challenge us, that you would cause us to respond to your voice. Help us to recognize it when we're distracted. Help us to see it. And Lord, I pray that we do something with it today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Aggressive trust. It's a trust that puts your life on the line for God to show up however he chooses to. It's, it's a blank check, like, like someone said earlier. It's a yes in our hearts to say, yes, God, use me however you want. These three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, many of us know this as a childhood story, the blazing furnace, right? How many of you guys know their original Hebrew names? I know Pastor Jason, he mentioned me he, before the service, but Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We've named our oldest Azariah. It means God is my help. There were Hebrew names given to them. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, as some of you know, he was the ruling king of the empire that, that controlled the entire world at that time, the civilized world. So you could say that he was the king of kings of the world at that time. He was a very powerful person. And these Hebrew boys had been taken captive out of their homeland of Israel and brought into Babylon, and they were, they were made into 
people that actually these guys stood out above the rest of the, those that were taken captive. So they were actually given places and positions of leadership and authority because they excelled in everything that they did. They were given new names. They were given new food. They were given new clothes. They were given all these things to, in an attempt to rebrand them, in an attempt to remake them, to give them identity that didn't belong to them. And these, these boys had to make a decision for themselves. Do we, do we embrace this new place, this place that we're living in, this, this God-forsaken place? In fact, their names were names that honored the pagan gods of that time. They were, they were, they were not just godless, but they were anti-Yahweh. They were anti-God. And they were really doing their best to try to change who they were. But they decided that day that we were not going to bow the knee to any other God except their God. The first step into developing this aggressive trust is that you really need to know God. You need to know him. I know it's not profound, but it is. It is for our lives. Not just to know about him, not just to know his name, not just to have accepted him in your heart and, and got, got your squeak through the door. But I'm talking about a relationship. I'm talking about a conversation that you have daily with somebody that created you. I'm talking about something that where you're intimate with, with him. He already knows you. He knows your, your innermost being. He knows everything you've done, everything you will do. He's God. But he wants to be actively involved in a conversation with your life every single day. So when we spend time with him in our, in our morning devotions, we teach our youth group and teach our kids and we model for that for them in our families. And we find, find ways that we can incorporate prayer throughout our daily lives. We begin to have a sense of his wanting to be involved in our lives. These boys knew God. These boys had an identity that was founded in the scriptures. That had an identity that they knew, they knew who they belonged to. Psalm 91, 14 through 16 says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. Are you placing your, yourself in a position where you, you're known? God knows you, but do you know him? And we aren't known unless both of those things are happening, right? Isaiah 43, 2, the last part of that verse, it says, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah, I'm sure sensed some fear, right? We, you face the king of, of, of the world, and he's telling you, you better bow down or I'm going to kill you. There'll be some serious fear happening, you know? But they had a greater sense of the fear of God in them, a greater sense of knowing that, yes, he can hurt us physically, but he can't hurt us spiritually. In the New Testament, Paul, writing to the Philippians, said this in Philippians 1, uh, 19 through 21. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted by body, whether by life or death. For to me, is to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Here's the deal. If we live for Christ, we get to spend our lives with him. And if we die, we spend eternity with him. So either way, whether we live or we die, we gain Christ. Let's get past being afraid 
of what other, what man can do it, do to us and aggressively trust that our time on this earth is limited. It's already been set. So let's live passionately for the Lord. Let's live passionately on purpose for him. Let's live aggressively for the Lord and letting him move in powerful ways in our lives. The second step to aggressively trust the Lord today I want to talk about is, is that we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I love it. I saw Pastor Jason and Becca up here, and their, their faces were just beaming as Andrew's doing the announcements, and, and these kids are sharing. You know why? Because it's, it's, it's passing it on. It's saying, hey, they're getting it. Hey, that, that those moments like, hey, God, whether it's just a, a worship thing or a fun thing, but they're being exposed to God. They're being exposed to the Holy Spirit. They're being exposed. My, I remember my, my mom would say this quite often. She said, you know, you, you hear people speak in tongues in church or whatever, and, and some of us think, oh, well, that's just going to drive people away. But the Bible talks about that specifically, that when we see the, the power of the Holy Spirit working, it draws curiosity. It draws us to, to himself. It's a thing that not pushes us away, but it says, wow, maybe this is real. Maybe this is, maybe this is not just a dead faith, but maybe this is, this is a, a live faith, right? God encountered my family. I remember my mom uh, shares this story with us, too. and She's from Mexico. She's, she grew up in Mexico all her life, and as, as a, probably a teenage girl, she found a, a muddy track. You know, like you hand out these tracks, kind of an old school way of doing evangelism. But she found this track in the ground on the street, and she she was able to read it. It was it was enough to read it, and and there's Sunday school material to fill out, and then there was an address, and so she sent this off. Didn't know what would happen. She gets a, another thing in the mail back, and it's another one to fill out more information. She grew up Catholic. My ten brothers and sisters, big Catholic family in Mexico. You know, and. And uh, one day out of the blue, God divinely set it up that the same organization that had provided these tracks was in her neighborhood. And they were going around inviting people to come to church and happened to come across my mom. Invited my mom to come to church. And uh, she said, well, I can't go without my mom's permission. So she asked her mom and I think they had some food. And so they got, had, brought the whole family. Brought the whole family. The only place left was right in the front row. And the pastor said, come on down. You guys are going to sit right here. And, uh, and as, they, as they preached and gave the altar call, they said, hey, this family right here, you guys all need to come and get, get saved. And they did. They stood up. They came down to the altar. They gave their lives to the Lord. My grandma who smoked two packs a day instantly quit, lost the urge. God encountered my family in a powerful way. And, and then my mom came up to the States, met my dad who was at Trinity. Uh, my dad got saved and just wanted to come to call it Bible college just to learn more about God. He scared to speak in front of, but he's never preached a sermon in his life. But he, he came to Bible college and met my mom there, who was here on a six-month visitor visa. And just God just worked out the little details here and there to bring my family together. And that's why I'm here today. And I just continue to say yes. And you talk about generational things. You do have to make a stand. That Those moments, he talked about that earlier. You have to take those stands in your life. If you want the same thing tomorrow, keep doing the same thing you've been doing all along. If you want God to do something new in your life, you have to step beyond what you know and trust him in a different way. We have to say, God, I don't know what I don't know. And if you want to use me in a bigger way, if you want to use me in a different way, you're going to have to show me what that looks like. But I'm available. 
And I just want to say, yes, God, do it. Do it, my kids. Do it, my spouse. Do it, my family. Do it, my neighbors who need Jesus and they're struggling in their marriage. We need God more today. We need him in our families. I know we've got situations, probably even in this church, where you've got loved ones in the hospital, or you've got loved ones that are struggling with cancer. We need God to show up in big ways. And he does it. There's nothing we can do. There's no magic formula. It's just us going crazy about God, going after him, and asking him, Lord, would you do something? Would you, would you meet those needs in our lives? Whether they're physical, whether they're emotional, whether they're financial, whatever it is, when we aggressively trust God, he shows up. Now, we need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the power that we need. Why do we need power? Not just for ourselves. We need power to witness. As we look in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what does it say? But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit is so that you can be a witness when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, when God comes inside, and, you know, I, I believe that. When you, when you get saved, God comes inside of you. His Spirit comes in and changes you, gives you a new, you're, you're brand new. But there is another event, and it happens sometimes right away, but sometimes it happens later, um, where you're seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe that the, the power of God comes on people when we lay hands on them, and we, we pray, God, that would fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it gives them the ability to be witnesses. There's power, there's giftings that come with that. There's speaking in, in tongues for interpretation for the, for the body. There's gifts of healing and miracles. There's uh, words of wisdom and words of knowledge. All of these things you can read about in 1 Corinthians. Um, it's really important that we go after them, seek them, because those draw, the, draw people unto God, and it allows us to have the power to witness and be effective in our witness. It's not about us. It's really not about us. My, my, my boss, he says it this way. I need to write this on my notes. He says it this way. We're not called to live our best lives now. I don't know if, I don't know if you know that. We're called to come and die right now. We're not, as Christians, we're called to come and die for God. To be a living sacrifice every single day. To die to ourselves, to die to our flesh, die to our wants. And give him everything. Everything. Our money, even more valuable, our time, our affection, our heart. What is it that we spend our time on? In? What is it that we spend our money on? Look at, look at your bank account. Look at your agenda. Look at your schedule. Look at your calendar. What are the things that you value? And I challenge you, let's give everything to the Lord and let him use it as he wants to. Because when we seek the kingdom of God first, all the other things will be taken care of. He doesn't want you to be a pauper. He doesn't want you to be cold out, out in the cold. He doesn't want, you, he doesn't want to, you to be mistreated. But he hasn't called us to live our best lives now. He's called us to come and die and live our best lives in heaven. Let's see how many we can bring with us. And, the, you know, you, we can bring so many more with us if we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. I remember coming in Ellendale, that little little church. I came down the aisle, and there was just a bunch of old guys with white hair. And I was just a young buck, probably in high school or middle school. And I just said, yeah, I, I want to be filled. And so those guys just laid hands on me. 
I didn't feel anything crazy. I just said, I, I want the Holy Spirit. And, and God filled me that day. And ever since that moment, I've been able to speak in tongues. But more than that, I've had the power that comes from God. In and of myself, I don't want to do any of this. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything good. I don't want to do anything right. But with God, it changes my intentions. It changes my, what I want to do with my life. So yes, God, I'll go on a mission field. Yes, I'll sell everything I own. Yes, I'll, I'll live in a camper for months and travel thousands of miles. And yes, my kids will cry and, and say that they don't want to be missionaries or because they're going to lose their friends and their family. Yes, I'll pay some of those small prices. Those are small. Because yes, it's all about the kingdom. And we need his power to be able to do things like that. I don't know what it is for you. God might not be calling you to go around the world. But sometimes I think going next door is just as hard. Right? We need the power of the Holy Spirit to have the confidence that he's going to show up when we're failing, when we're weak, when we don't have the words to say, when we don't have the willpower. He gives us those things. He gives us that power. God cares about people. He's not willing that anybody should perish. And right now he's going out throughout the earth and he's asking, and he's even walking in this room and speaking to hearts today, how am I supposed to respond to the Great Commission? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And he's with us by his spirit, and he's challenging us to go. We're supposed to respond to the Great Commission. Every one of us, we need to have a part in it. It happens on that back wall. It happens on our knees. It happens by our yes to to go, our yes to give. It happens in all of those ways. Don't sell yourself short. God is using you to do big things around the world. But I want you to be intentional and ask God today, How can I do it in a greater way? How can my yes be amplified? How can I be thinking about the people that have never heard? There's people in this world that still have never heard. Why hasn't God come back yet? It's because that hasn't happened yet. There's still people groups. There's still peoples all around the world that have never heard. And we're looking for people that are willing to go. Because how can they hear unless someone is sent? I don't know. It's hard for us as Americans to believe that Somebody doesn't have access to Wi-Fi or, or a cellular phone. And much of the world does have that. But there's still places that are, have closed that down, that don't allow access to anything Christian. There's places that still are, are primitive, and they don't have access to the outside world. And it's hard for us to imagine that because we live in America where, I mean, even if it's weak, we still got some signal someplace out on the farm or around the bend. It's hard to imagine that. But there are places and there are people groups that have never heard of the name of Jesus. I remember hearing this story from, from our mentor, too. He, he would trek up into the mountains, and he would go down into the, into the volcanic places, and there'd be whole people groups, tribes, naked, with bones in their faces and, and eyes. And he brought the gospel for the first time to them. And he was describing that when he would go to leave, the, the, the chief came up to him and said, Why are you leaving? Why are you taking this Jesus from me? They were just crying. He said, don't worry. Don't worry. Jesus is staying. 
and the whole whole tribe goes nuts. Like, what? We get to keep that this isn't something that just comes with you, but we have to bring it. We have to bring it, and you do that. We do that in prayer. I'm serious about that. Prayer is important. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send labors. Pray the Lord of the harvest that those people would be saved, people that you may never meet in your whole life, but with your prayers here in a place that may seem small, can do huge, huge things. And we covered, covered those prayers. Pray for all of your missionaries. If you don't know who your missionaries are, pray for them every single day. That's what we do. We pull out our prayer cards. We have personal missionaries that we support. And we say, okay, these are our missionaries we're praying for at breakfast today or at, 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 uh, at bedtime today with our kids. We pray for them by name every single day. And look into their lives. They've got places you can go and figure out what's going on in their lives. And they send out newsletters to the churches. Figure out what those newsletters are. I know it seems like a thing of the past, but it's not. It's, our, it's how our system works. And if you'll just get into their lives and see what God is doing and be a part, be an integral part, prayer partners, we're looking for those people. The last step in this aggressive trust is it requires instant obedience. As a father, now young father, I appreciate it when my kids listen to me the first time. And uh, when I ask them to do something and it's not the third or fourth or fifth and my wife's done it just as many times. And you got to give them a little spanking or whatever or time out. And they're like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if they just did it the first time? And did it, what, if they didn't, what if I didn't even have to ask them? Wouldn't that even be awesome? That's how it is with the Lord. Sometimes we, we, we get so stuck in our routine that we like we don't like change and we don't want it to be different. We kind of just know what we do and we do what we do, right? And sometimes when God asks us to do something that's out of our comfort zone, we like, "Ah, I don't know, God. I don't know. That that's asking a lot." You know, I we had one of our teenager girls ask us at from our youth group. She said, "Hey, would you match me? Would you match me my my funds for Speed the Light?" And we prayed about it, and we hemmed and hawed for a while, and we finally, okay, God, with your help, we'll do this very sacrificial amount. And it, it was a large amount, and she, she hit it. And so it was a stretch of our faith. So I, I want to challenge you guys to stretch your faith and obey when God asks you to do something. Pray and ask. Don't just do something stupid. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? And then don't delay in your obedience. Don't do it halfway. Just go all in and say, God, you know what? You asked me to do this. This comes from you. I'm just going to do it. And God will, God will reward you. God will be faithful and provide everything that he's asked you to do. Psalm 119 verse 60 to support that. I will hasten and not delay your, uh, to obey your commands, Lord. In Genesis 12, uh, it talks about Abram. And Abram was an old man. He was 80 years old. And he asked Abram, would you go, would you leave your, your homeland? Would you leave everything that you've known? And would you go to a place that I will show you and I'll make you a great nation? Even though this guy had been barren, him and his wife had not had any kids and he's 80 years old and he hears this crazy word, would you go? And it says in Genesis 5, 4, simply, so Abram went. Simple obedience that just instantly obeys that's something god can do do something with luke 9 uh 23 through 24 whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And I want to I want to bring us back to that first passage in Daniel chapter 3, remembering uh, that they just were they were before the king Nebuchadnezzar. They were on they they said, "Nope, we're not going to we're not going to serve you. We're not going to bow down to you." In verse 24 after after uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had thrown them into the blazing furnace and he was so outraged and so mad and his pride was so high. He's like, get that, get that fire seven times hotter. Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in, a, in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three? Weren't there three that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the royal advisors crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not harmed them or their bodies there, nor was the, a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say there anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Like I said earlier, no longer do we have the luxury to live a simple, timid faith. Because the darker the world gets, the, the light of Christ, the brighter the light of Christ should shine in our hearts. And the more aggressive we must become in our trust in Jesus. I remember being in, in the Rapid City area. They have um, caves. We go to. The, I love caves. Going, you know, you kind of spelunk. It's not real caving. I mean, there's stairs, you know. But the tour guides, we'd go in this cave, and the tour guides inevitably would always say, "Okay, hang on to a railing, hang on to somebody, and we're going to turn off the lights." So they turn off the lights, and it's dark. Now, I'm not talking about like dark. It's like pitch black. Have you ever been in a place like that where you can't even see like anything in front of your face? You try really hard and there's nothing. But if you light a match, imagine how blinding it is in a, in a place like that. And one little spark, one little match can illuminate the whole room. That's you and that's me. Because the darker the world gets, the brighter the light should become. We, we don't have the luxury to hide anymore. We don't have the luxury to put a basket over us anymore. We need to take the basket off. We need to take everything off and say, God, I've just got to be a Christian, a real Christian. I've got to love people. I've got to lay down my preferences and my rights and my, all the things that, that make me an American, Right? We're not Americans. We're Christians. We didn't, we're not called to live our best lives here. It's not about the American dream. It's about the kingdom. And when we lay down our lives, people can, can know Christ. People can see Christ. And people will come to Christ because of you. 
So die to yourself today. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Obey his voice. Realize that this world is not our home. This moment in time is for us to make the most of. For the kingdom. Matthew 24. 12 through 14. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. What are we waiting on? We're waiting on people to respond to the Great Commission. We're waiting on every nation and people group to hear the gospel. We're waiting on you to aggressively trust God. In verses, in the last two verses of your Bible, it says that I'm coming soon. In verse 20, Revelation 22, verse 20, Jesus is saying, I'm coming soon. And he is coming soon. He's coming soon for us. He's coming soon for his bride. Let's fill it up. Let's fill up the kingdom. Let's do that with our yes. God wants us to know him. He has given us his spirit. If I could have the, um, Becca, if you want to come, that would be awesome. Just going to give you an opportunity to respond today. And if anything that I've talked about, or the Lord might be working on your heart in a different way, and that's fine. But I was always taught that you don't leave a, you don't leave a service. You don't leave a hearing the gospel. You don't hear, leave that without sealing it in your heart. And so if it's something that God is working with you today, or something that you know that this is something that God is going to be doing with you in the future, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond in prayer. You can come to these altars. We'll have the board available to pray with you and pastor. God wants us to know him. He has given us his spirit, and he wants us to be obedient instantly. He has already commissioned us to preach the gospel and make disciples in all nations, and that's all of our job. That's not just missionaries and pastors. That's just not just for the professional Christians. That's all of our job. So what's the holdup? What's the holdup in our lives? How is our trust today? Are you getting after it, or has it grown cold? Maybe you're here today and you don't know the way the, the God of the, of the Hebrew boys, the way they did. But you can. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know, if you would die, if you die today, if you'd be in heaven with him, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray and respond. I don't want to give you, I don't want to leave this service without giving you a moment to say, giving God your yes, to come into your heart, come into your life. That's number one. But number two, if uh, maybe you, you've prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've never received it. I love seeing when, you, when teenagers get filled with the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we let teenagers squeak out of youth group and they never got filled. Or maybe you came to Christ later in your life and you never asked God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you gave up because you, you've asked a bunch of times and like, well, maybe God, it's not for me. I believe it is for you. I believe that the Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit is for all of us. And I know that he wants to fill you today. If you'll be willing and vulnerable to ask, no matter your age. Remember, Abram was 80 years old. Whatever it is that God might would ask of you, be willing to say yes to him today. He is inviting you to ask him again. Finally, maybe you're here today and you know God has asked you to step out in faith, to do something that you're uncomfortable with. You're really struggling with the instant obedience part. Why don't you come and and make it right with God? 
and ask him again, how can I do this? Give me the ability to do this. Those, that's what I've, I feel like God has on my heart for you today. And I pray that you would just say yes to God, no matter how that looks. I don't know how that looks in your life. I don't know you, but God does. And God cares deeply. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He's got a purpose for this world and for this world to know him. And he wants you to partner with him. And he's made you just the way you are to fit in the body of Christ just the way you will. So today, will you give him aggressively everything you got, everything about you, your whole being, your whole life, everything that makes you you, and just lay it at his feet today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. I pray that it won't come back void. We pray, God, that your word will speak to our lives, that it'll keep breathing new life in us. And today, we respond today. God, if there's any one of us that doesn't know you, we give you our lives today, God. We lay down our lives. We lay down. We surrender to you. And we say, God, would you come inside of us? Would you change us and make us new? Would you fill us with your spirit, God, and give us a new new spirit, God? We need that today. We know that you're faithful. And all we have to do is confess that you're Lord. Believe in our hearts that you are the Son of God. And when we make that our prayer, God, we know that we're saved today for those that have never been filled with the Holy Spirit or it's been a long time or we we gave up asking because we haven't been filled today we pray for a, a, a fresh outpouring of your spirit God and we ask you again would you fill us with your Holy Spirit Lord today fill us with your Holy Spirit we want to be baptized in your spirit today God. for those that have been called to go called to stay called to do anything that you're asking them to do lord i pray today that would be the day of repentance first of all saying god we're sorry for our delay we're sorry for our disobedience and lord we want to get back on track maybe it's been years god asked us to do something many years ago today's the day that we make it right and if we have the ability we we do what we're supposed to do i pray god that today you'd help us to walk in that Jesus name. In Jesus name. These altars are going to be open as we close in, in our worship and give it back to Pastor Jason. If there's anything that I can pray with you about, I want to pray with you. Board members want to pray with you. And we'll give you an opportunity to pray at this altar and believe with you. If any of those things spoke to you, let, let us pray.